So it's Christmas Eve. Merry almost Christmas. <laughs> we lit a candle today, the candle of love, on that Advent wreath just behind me. It's this candle that represents one of the key gifts that Norm was telling us about already, about hope, joy, peace, and love. Key gifts that were given to us over 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born in that little town of Bethlehem. We received hope, joy, peace, and love. It's all part of God's gift of a Savior. But as I've said over the holiday season, each one of those words, hope, joy, peace, and love, they actually find their source in a person. Nor mentioned that, this candle that represents Jesus himself. That in Christ, all things live, hold together, and have their being. And today, our focus on love goes actually beyond just what we've received and who Jesus is. The fourth candle also represents the primary motivation of our Heavenly Father to send his Son, Jesus, to earth in the first place. He sent his son to earth to become the incarnation, a fancy word for God in the flesh, to become Emmanuel, another fancy Hebrew theological word for God with us. He did that, why? Out of love. I want to show you a video that's going to help to focus us a little bit more on what it meant for God to truly love us. Go ahead, Christopher. I play Joseph in the live nativity, the stepfather to the Messiah. Some rather big shoes to fill, or sandals as it may be. As a method actor, um, I have to experience what the character experienced, you know, in order to play the role. It takes a lot of effort, so I do what I can to get my body in shape. Sometimes on my lunch break, I'll just go into Joseph position. So I'm thinking of renting a donkey. No. No, no, look, uh, we would just ride it, okay? No. No, no, look, just around town, okay? I just want to get a feel for what Joseph must have gone I'm not going to ride a donkey through town. Babe, look, Brando shadowed gangsters, okay? Winona stole a purse. Larry actually was a cable guy. I, I need this, okay? I need to know what it was like to serve the mother of God. You want to know what it was like to serve? Yes. Then serve me by setting the table. Throughout the years, I have adopted the lifestyle of many notable characters. I even uh, played Judas in our church's gospel musical rendition of Happy Feet. I actually wrote that one. Um, it's called Happy Feet Washing. Lord, why? Why would you put me through this? Do you understand, God? This is difficult. The people around town, they are talking. They're asking why I would marry a woman who's bearing another man's child. What did I do, do Lord? Hmm, God love him. But he sounds like the guy from The Fiddler on the Roof. Why? 
She said that? I, I sound nothing like Tevia. I played Tevia in high school. I think I'd know the difference. She, she sounds like Fran Drescher. Not the voice, but the... And he's starting to scare the children. Dad, I don't want to do this again. Oh, come on, buddy, just from the top, the part about the end. No room, go ahead. I'm sorry, sir, but there's no room in the end for you. What? You're telling me that my pregnant wife and me, you're going to leave us out in the streets? We may die out there. Is that what you want to happen? Is that... What, buddy? He's fine. He's fine. Um, this is Travis, my son. He will be playing the role of Jesus. Even larger sandals to fill. F figuratively. He has very, very small feet. It is a live nativity. Um, so we are on our feet for five hours each night. Uh, the seven days leading up to Christmas. It's, um... Not so much of a physical challenge for me. I played sports in high school. Um, it's more of a, a spiritual challenge. Really? Why? It just is. Hmm. <laughs> Where's my baby Jesus? Because daddy's ready for the show. I couldn't do it. What? What are you talking about? I couldn't give up my son. Honey, they're counting on you. No, um... If I were God... I couldn't give up my boy. The world would be out of luck. bit of humor and poignancy as you head into your Christmas. You might be a parent here. You've got kids maybe. Maybe you've got a child. Uh, am I booming through that back monitor? It sounds like there's a whoom, 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 whoom right behind me. What would it take? What would it take for you to send your child into a dark, cold, and hurting place, to a place where people would ultimately reject and kill your child. I mean, Wilma and I, we've been blessed to foster kids uh, and have four daughters of our own that we parent, and I wonder, what would it take, what would it take for me to give just one of them up? Well, sometimes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But I mean, what is it that would actually tip the scales for me to make that kind of sacrifice? You know, looking at my own humanity, and I bet if you think about yourself, in and of my own self, I do not have the ability to make that kind of sacrifice. 
in many ways identify with the dad in the video. I am not a method actor, but uh, humanity would have been out of luck if it were left up to me to decide what to do. But let's come back to the Bible. And what does the Bible have to say? Today, I'm, I'm not reading out of the Gospels where the Christmas story is told, where we see where there's the angel Gabriel and a host of angels, there's shepherds, there's wise men, there's Mary and Joseph journeying on a donkey to Bethlehem, finding no room at the inn, being born in a stable in the humblest of places where the Savior of the world would be born, the Christmas story. See, you and I actually live on the other side of those events. You and I are actually still living in the moments after everything changed. Yeah, everything changed when Jesus was born, but the goal, Jesus' mission, was actually accomplished about 30 years later when he was crucified, when he was killed, when he rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death itself. You and I are now actually living in the blessing of what was accomplished in those moments. And we can look back at the Christmas story today knowing what was to come and what would be accomplished. The shepherds and the wise men, they didn't know. I mean, how could they, right? But we know that Jesus, who would eventually actually purchase our freedom with his own life, And that anyone who accepts the gift of freedom that he purchased can be set free. That they can know and experience true love that comes from God himself and actually have a relationship with the God of heaven forever. We're on that side of the story. So I want to read the words of someone Someone who actually had that privileged sight as well, in a way. Someone who was actually there when Jesus died. Wasn't there at his birth, but was there when he died, and with his own eyes knew what had been completed. John, Actually, Norm read it this morning. It's John, the beloved disciple of Jesus. And near the end of his life, while he was an elder statesman of the faith, He was speaking to the Ephesian church and he wrote a few short letters. And it's from this first letter that I want to read today. And Norm quoted a short excerpt from it. It's 1 John 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It'll come up on the screen. If you're wondering, I used the Good News Bible because it's a bit of a simpler version. Dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Whoever loves is a child of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. And God showed his love for us by sending his only son into the world that we might have life through him. This is what love is. It's not that we have loved God, but that he first loved us and sent his son to be the means by which our sins are forgiven. In some of your Bibles, it has that word propitiation. That's why I use this. (laughs) It's the means by which we are forgiven. He is the means. Dear friends, if this is how God has loved us, then we should love one another. What he's done for us, it should pour out of us into other people. So it's interesting that 
John also wrote something very similar in the gospel that bears his name. Something much more famous, but it reinforces what we just see up there. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not have to perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So at least 40 years after John saw Jesus rise into heaven, he was still passionately impacted by what he saw and what he experienced. He was still devoted to telling people about the Messiah, about Jesus Christ, the Savior. And that he's the one who provides the only way to be forgiven our sins and is the only way to heaven. Why did he keep telling people? Because he'd been first loved by God, by Jesus himself. And God's love was in him. And therefore, he could love others because of the love that he had been given. Have you been touched by the love of Jesus? Have you? Are you loving out of your own supply? Or are you loving out of the supply that actually comes right from the very throne of heaven? Is meant to be received and fill you and in turn overflow to other people. You know, people who have received and been touched by God's love have a different perspective on life, don't they? You ever been in a place and you just go, they must be a Christian. There's something different about them. You ever had that experience? Yeah. They're changed forever. We're changed forever. Especially if you keep pursuing God's love and spending time with Jesus. The closer you get, the more love you get. My life has been forever changed and altered by this love. Maybe you're on a faith journey this Christmas and you've never known this Jesus and that he did all this for you and that he loves you and he wants you to know him and he wants you to be part of his family you can start a relationship with him this Christmas. And just so we're clear, it's a a tricky bit of theology. And sometimes we get confused by it. Um, We serve one God. One God who is comprised of three distinct persons. The Father, the Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But they function differently from one another. We call it the Trinity. If you notice, just in that diagram, God is in the center holding Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all one together. But the Son isn't the Father, the Father isn't the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit isn't the Son. They're distinct, but they're together. It's a mystery. God is not a a three-headed thing. Rather, he's just one entity. So it's correct to say that when the Father sent his son to earth. God was sending himself into humanity. This is really important for us to stand, understand because the Christmas story is not just about the Father loving us enough to send Jesus into the world to repair something that was broken. It's about God himself loving us 
so much that he himself was willing to take off all of his robes of glory and splendor and power and divest himself of all those things to become a vulnerable human child that would need to depend on his parents' love and his care to survive. God didn't send one of his servants to do the job. He came himself. He took on flesh. My kids, they've got a fish tank. It's hosted many guppies over its lifetime. Every time the girls get near the fish tank, um, the fish, the guppies, they run and hide, right? And I suppose I would too if I was a guppy. Um, You know, this big dark mass towering over your environment, right? With distorted face in the glass and big eyes and teeth and whatever that is, right? My girls can't communicate with the fish other than to feed them and to watch them do their thing and swim around in the tank and watch them as they respond to the little fish flakes that hit the top of the water when they feed them, right? But to connect that idea with what I've been talking about, what is the only way that I could get those guppies to truly understand that the girls are the reason that they continue to be alive? (laughs) That they're being fed and that these girls mean them absolutely no harm. How would I do that? Well, I'd have to become a guppy. (laughs) I'd have to actually enter into the tank I'd actually have to become part of their world so I could explain things. That's the only way. I would need to become one of them. So in the simplest terms, that's what God did with us. We didn't fully understand what he was doing until he actually came to earth, until he came into our environment and became one of us. Jesus actually unraveled the mystery of how we as human beings find our way back to connection and completeness with our Heavenly Father and eternity, for that matter. We find our way back through Jesus. Someone once said to me, they said, well, wasn't it selfish? Wasn't it selfish of God to do all of this just to get more people to love him? (laughs) Seems like he needed people to worship him. So why, what, you know, is that why he did it? I said, you know what, you've misunderstood something so profound. Let me put it this way. If you were on a sinking ship that was about to go under, and the ship, where it's a ship where the owner and its crew had ignored all the safety recommendations and the maintenance work that needed to be done, they had been told over and over that it needed to be done, But in one sense, it's a ship that deserved to be sinking on sea and going under because of that captain's stubbornness, its lack of care and neglect of the people on that ship. But just then, as you and all the passengers are about to go under, you feel this hand grab a hold of you and pull you out of the water into a Coast Guard helicopter. Would you say the rescue operator did that because he really needed someone to say, oh, thank you for saving my life. You're amazing. Is that? No. Or was it simply because of the reality that you needed saving? We need saving. We don't like that, but we do need saving. And the only one who could help us is Jesus. 
He could have let us drown, like the father on our video. Humanity would have been out of luck if it were up to me. But he didn't. God loved us so much that he came. He didn't let us drown. And he made a way for us to be saved. I suppose another way of looking at this is is asking the question, what is truly loving? Is Is it to give people what they think they want or they need? Or is it to give people what they actually need? What's truly loving? It's not always easy for us to tell the difference between these two, but God knows. And he knew that he himself was the solution to our problem. And he actually sacrificed everything to give us what we truly needed, the gift of a Savior. I call that being truly loving, leading us to the one thing that would bring us everything, himself. Not only that, I think it makes him the one and only being in all of creation that is worthy of our worship, our gratitude, and our praise. Church, how will you do that this Christmas and New Year's? How will you honor Jesus for who he is and what he's done for you? How will you do that? An amazing part of following Jesus is not only getting connected and reconnected with our Heavenly Father, but it's also getting to know that third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one that actually helps us to change and to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit isn't a force like electricity or like the force in Star Wars, okay? Just so we're clear, it's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity who will always point us to Jesus and fill us with the ability and the capacity to do what God's asked us to do. You, as followers of Jesus Christ, have a helper. You can love because he first loved you and filled you with his love. This means that we can truly love people because God loved us first. Just like our scripture today proclaims. It means we can experience and share true hope, joy, and peace with others. Because God loved us first and he's at work within us by his Holy Spirit to grow us and our capacity to hold more and more and more of him and become more like Jesus. So this Christmas, as you, as you head into your week, as spending time with family and friends or whatever that looks like for you, here's my challenge to us as a church. This is where the rubber meets the road today. Where or how or who does Jesus want you to intentionally reach out to and love this holiday season? Who is it? How is it? What is that? If you're a follower of Jesus, that means you have God's love within you and it's available to you to do things that you never thought were possible. How are you going to keep your eyes open for the moments that he wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit and empower you to step into someone's life? Watch for those moments. Watch for them. They will happen when you least expect it. And just so you know that I've got some skin in the game with you, 
something I felt the Lord challenged me with this past Wednesday. I felt he was asking me, Aaron, how will you love your wife and your girls during a time where you might want to tilt towards your own selfish rest as you take a break from the regular rhythms of church life for a bit? And I was like, oh, Lord, you know me too well. <laughs> so I asked, I said, so Jesus, how would you like me to love my family over the holidays? And I felt the Lord give me a simple answer. Just say yes when they ask you to do something and spend time with them. That's it. Just say yes. And yesterday, while I was preparing this message, I had an opportunity. I had a knock at my bedroom door. Daddy, Daddy, I'm working on my sermon. Daddy, Daddy, right? Daddy, can I put clips in your hair? <laughs> can, I make, can I make your hair nice? And for a moment, I thought, oh, I really need to get this sermon done. And then a little bell, ding, went off inside me that said, just say yes. And so my little girl came into the room, and she hopped up on the bed with her 40-plus rainbow-colored clips. And while I'm clacking away on my laptop, is clipping all these things, Wilma probably has some, a picture somewhere that she can use for leverage at a later point in my life. But it was a simple yes. That's how I loved my little girl yesterday as she clipped all those things into my hair. With that simple yes, I honored Jesus and showed my little girl a glimpse of the love that her heavenly father has for her to say, yeah, come on in. Welcome. Come up and be with me. I could have missed it. It was a moment and it'll be a moment for you too. So how will you celebrate Jesus and love people this week? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your love. It's a love that never ends, never fails, and keeps on giving. Lord, thank you that you are always with us whether we feel alone this Christmas or whether we are surrounded by many loved ones and feel complete and whole, Lord Jesus, you are with us. Thank you that you came that starry night, divested yourself of all your glory and power and became one of us to be able to share your story, your remedy, your way of bringing a broken creation back to yourself. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving all of us here enough to give us the gift of a Savior. Lord, I pray for any of those who are searching this Christmas, that are searching and looking for a Savior, looking for a Lord, looking for Jesus to follow, that you would keep speaking to them, revealing yourself to them, and that they too can enter into the very family of God by welcoming you, as their Savior, receiving that gift of forgiveness that you have provided for us and opening the doors of our life to let your love come in 
and to help us to do life differently the way you designed it. Lord, I want to bless each person here as they pursue you over the next couple of weeks into the new year. And pray, Lord, that you would anoint them, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and you would give them eyes to see all of those God moments, all of those moments that you have actually designed to bring across our paths in order to exercise and share and give out the love of Jesus to the people that we meet. Thank you for this opportunity today, this Christmas Eve day. Thank you for your love for us and we bless the name of Jesus.